3. And we're looking at characteristics of a godly marriage. Uh, we started this uh, wasn't last week, was it? Last week we were in meetings. So it was two weeks ago. Yeah, we'll have to catch up here. And uh, we looked at one of the characteristics. Uh, we'll look at one more today. Uh, so you can tell we're going to be in this, uh, unless I can get a couple more in on, on one lesson. But the uh, <laughs> uh, big question is this, what characteristics of a godly marriage does Peter focus on uh, seen in the roles of a man, of the man and the woman. And the first one, uh, we, we're, we're looking at six of them. Uh, the first one, we looked at the wife submits to her husband to transform him. Uh, it's Peter is f particularly focusing on the woman. Uh, he starts out uh, the chapter saying, Likewise, ye wives, be in subject a subjection to your husband your own husbands, and this is the first point in a godly marriage, the wife submits to the husband in order to bring transformation in him. It's called a call to submission. It's kind of a radical concept in the culture we live in, and many are rebelling against it in that sense. Even Christians struggle with this concept. Uh, is the man greater than the woman? If not, then why must the woman submit to the man? Well, this is something that bothers uh, many people. And yet, uh, in considering the concept of authority in the home, it's nothing to do with equality. We mentioned a couple weeks ago, when God calls these Christians uh, to submit to the king, he did that in chapter 2, and then also then to masters in chapter 2, uh, he was not teaching inequality, an employer and an employee are fully equal. Yet in order to, you know, for a, a company to function properly, there must be an authority uh, or else uh, I think there would be chaos. In the same way, God made the institution of marriage and he placed authority in the home in order that it might function well. Now, when we look at society, 50% or more of marriages end up in divorce, and we can have no doubt that marriages have lost their God-given design. So that was the first one. The wife submits to her husband to transform him. Now, the second one we look at, we'll look at tonight, the wife is focused on the or internal and not the external. The wife is focused on, focused on the internal and not the external. Your beauty should not come from an outward adornment, such as braided hair and wearing of gold, jewelry, fine clothes. The Bible teaches us that it should be of the inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. That's of great worth in God's sight. And for this way, holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make them uh, in God used to make themselves beautiful. Look at verse three. It says in verse three, whose adorning 
in whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of the hair and of wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Verse 5 says, For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. So here in this part of the text, Peter begins to expand on how to the best way to submit to the husband and reverence him. Uh, the woman might be tempted to believe that it's all about her beauty, all about the outward appearance. But here, Peter's teaching that beauty is not primary, uh, is not the primary way to honor the husband. Now, it should be noted that Peter is not saying, okay, he's not saying you're not supposed to wear jewelry. And he's not saying you're not supposed to wear clothes. Okay, uh, we, can, we can just mark that one down right now. Uh, but he's actually saying we, uh, that uh, we're not to be consumed by it. He is, is saying, do not let your adornment be clothes. He's, uh, is he saying that women can't wear clothes? No. He's talking about an obsession with the external. And we live in a world where the woman is tempted too often to be consumed with an outward adorning in her physical beauty. And it's our world system that perpetuates this. You can hardly watch a television commercial that doesn't say you can be more beautiful, you can be more attractive if you wear this, or if you do that, or if you look like this. Now, they may even say it, but just the appearance of it is giving across that message. And God hates this focus on the external because it does not reflect the image of God. Now, we see this in the story of choosing David to be the king. Samuel was surveying the older brothers for kingly characteristics, and he noticed one of them. He said, surely this must be God's anointed. And yet God said in 1 Samuel 16, 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Look not on the count, his countenance or on the height of his stature, but because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And what God is essentially saying here is, I don't look at people the way man do, does. Man is consumed with an outward appearance. I'm consumed with the heart. And so when Christians are consumed with an outward appearance, they're acting like the world, not like God. You're made to look like God, to think like him. Not one child of God who's not beautiful to him. Beauty is a work of the heart. Now that should get rid of a lot of, 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 of people's insecurities and their pride. It would close the door on the lies that Satan speaks to so many. You know, you must be lighter or darker or tanner or skinnier or you need to have these kinds of eyes or this kind of nose. So, you know, plastic surgery is a multi-million dollar industry because people are trying to 
change the way they look. It's a lie. And I certainly would hope that uh, believers would not be caught up in that, but some are. So we need to focus on the inward man, not the outer man. In fact, uh, let's look here how much God hates this continual focus on the outward, but how he curses the women of Israel. Turn back to Isaiah chapter 3. Isaiah chapter 3, and we begin looking there at verse 16. Isaiah 3, beginning in verse 16, and he's talking about the daughters of Zion. Verse 16, he says, Moreover, this the Lord saith, because the daughters of Zion are haughty, and walk with stretched forth necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go, and making a tinkling with their feet. Therefore the Lord will smite with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will discover their secret parts. In that day the Lord will take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments about their feet and their culls and their round tires like the moon. The chains and the bracelets and the mufflers and the bonnets and the ornaments of the legs and the headbands and the tablets and the earrings, the rings and the nose jewels, the changeable suits of apparel and the mantles and the wimples and the crisping pins, the glasses and the fine linen and the hoods and the veils. And it shall come to pass that instead of a sweet smell, there shall be a stink and instead of a girdle, a rent. Instead of well-set hair, baldness. Instead of a stomacher, a girding of sackcloth. And burning instead of beauty. I don't want to go through each one of these things and try to explain which, what they are. I'll let you uh, do some, uh, uh, some digging on that. But I will say this. You notice here some contrasting characteristics. If you compare this scripture with other scriptures, okay? The first one is a haughty versus lowliness of mind. Because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with stretched forth necks. Uh, the, these women is saying they were proud. They were taking with themselves and they loved to consider themselves better than others. That's haughtiness. The proud heart has the basis for the rest of the sin among the daughters of Zion. And to meet their unfounded accusations, he kind of lays open the inward disease, which is manifested in their outward dress. But in contrast, the women of God are called to be uh, in lowliness of mind. This is uh, Philippians chapter 2. Let each esteem uh, uh, others better than himself. And so you have this, uh, this characteristic, these contrasting characteristics, when we compare Scripture with Scripture. Secondly, there's wanton eyes versus dis discreet and chaste. Uh, wanton eyes, it's a blinking or a fluttering, maybe even a flirting eye, 
The women of Judah were sexually seductive and promiscuous. Uh, They wanted to behold and attract what was sexually impure. And what he adds about wandering eyes uh, gives us the idea of shameless lust, which for the most part is expressed by the eyes. Because unchaste eyes are the proclaimers of an unchaste heart. Uh, But the eyes of chaste women are calm, not wandering, not unsteady. And so in contrast, you have the women of God who are called to be discreet and chaste. That's found in Titus chapter 2 and verse 5. Titus 2, 5. And then there's obsessed with finery. Now you could say uh, obsessed with accessories. You know, you got to have everything just so, right? You got to have the shoes that match the purse. You got to have the, you know, you don't want to you don't want to go around with a, a plaid shirt and striped dress, you know, or a, you got to have things right. And, but he's also talking about all the accessories, the the jewelry. Now he's saying here the obsession with finery. And the, 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 the uh, contrast here is with the hidden man of the heart, as we're going to see here, as we're seeing here in First uh, Peter chapter 3. Talks about walking and mincing as they go, making a tinkling with their feet. Again, the, the women were, uh, of Judah were obsessed with finery, luxury, these accessories. Uh, they devoted far too much of their lives to the appearance and their image And so he kind of gives us a list here of all these accessories, doesn't he? All these luxury items in verses 18 through 23. We read here quite a list. And by the way, if you wear glasses, that's not a reference to glasses. It's a reference to the looking glass that you look into and you admire yourself and you make sure that you got everything just so. But uh, it sounds like they must have had some pretty good malls at Jerusalem. With all of these things, they love finery, luxury. Obtaining it, uh, uh, of course, is not unique to women. Men have this problem too. But it's a definite problem among women. I came across a story for a number from a, years, a number of years ago um, about a woman by the name of Michelle. Uh, No relationship to the former first lady. But uh, her name was Michelle. She was a successful writer and editor. She feared the day her husband might discover her secret stash of credit cards, her secret post office box, or the other tricks that she was using to hide how much money she was spending in shopping. She said, I, I make as much money as my husband, and if I want a, a, 500 suit, a $500 suit from Ann Taylor, I deserve it, and I don't want to be hassled about it. So the easiest thing to do is lie. See where this is going? And then she said uh, that her husband forced her to destroy one of her credit cards, and she went out and just got another one. So... Uh, in that same article, there was a school teacher that explained uh, more. Uh, men just don't understand that shopping is our drug of choice. Uh, she joked about it, 
even while admitting that some months her salary goes exclusively to paying the minimum balance on her credit cards. She said walking through the door of South Coast Plaza is like walking through the gates of heaven. Now, she had a pretty low view of heaven, didn't she? God made car trunks for women to hide shopping bags in. A young professional named Mary explained, Shopping is my recreation. It's my way of pampering myself. When I walk into a mall and see all the stores, it's like something just takes over and you get caught up with it. Well, I think it's, it's worthy to notice that Isaiah had good reason for reproving with great earnestness and vehemence the luxury of women, for they were chargeable with many vices. They were most of all inflamed with mad eagerness to have fine clothes. They were covetous. Still, they would spare no expense for dressing in a very showy manner. And even using a sparse diet and depriving themselves of what nature required and their clothes might be costly and elegant. Nothing can exceed the curiosity that dwells in a woman like this. Indeed, there is no end to those devices, and it was not without reason that these uh, people were, these women of Judah were called uh, the collection of women's ornaments of a world. If they collected into one heap, uh, they would be almost as numerous as the parts of the world. But then we go back to the uh, first Peter, you have the contrast, the women of God, whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of the hair and the wearing of gold or the putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is corrupt, not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. So God calls uh, women who are... are are concerned with the external as haughty or prideful, totally consumed with their outward beauty. And this is a form of pride that God hates. James chapter 4 and verse 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. God was, was not pleased with this fascination of the women of Israel with their outward appearance. Persons all about their outward appearance, their skin, their hair, their clothes. They are people seeking to glorify themselves instead of seeking to glorify God. And so because of this pride, God was judging the women of Israel. Now, sad to say, there are many women in churches that have become like this as well. Focuses on their bodies and their appearance instead of the inward man. They spend more time every day on the outward man their makeup, their clothes, their hair, instead of working on the inward man. And that's a show of idolatry. Again, we mentioned the plastic surgeons and so forth already. Well, this should not only be applied to clothing, but he's talking about putting on of jewels and one's hair. Uh, that was an ancient way of showing one's wealth. Wealthy women would often wear their hair up high and lots of jewels wrapped in it. And many marriages today are consumed with signs of wealth. It may not be piling your hair on your, your head like that with jewels, but there are other ways to show your wealth, 
Like the world, people are consumed today with the external, and uh, even Christians sometimes, and they want everybody to see and know what they have. But a godly marriage is not like this. A, mar- a godly marriage is one focused around God, developing the inward man to please God. Peter says a godly wife is not like this. She's, he says the adornment of this woman is the cultivation of internal, not external. She clothes herself like the ancient godly women as seen in Sarah. That's in verse 5, talking about the uh, women, the holy women of old. Sarah, who called her husband Abraham master. Focus on, you know, some things that are very important here to, uh, to center and look, on, look at. So, secondly, we look at some desirable characteristics here. Again, verse 4, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even a ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. So what does Peter mean by these two characteristics? A meek and quiet spirit. How should these be demonstrated, not only in the life of a woman, but the life of a man? See, we're we kind of, Peter's centering in on the wives and women here, so we, you know, yet uh, we as men need to have an emphasis on the internal rather than the external as well. But notice there's a meek spirit. The word tra- translated meek or humble, gentle, means not insistent on one's own rights, not pushy, not self selfishly assertive, not demanding one's own wa- way. Same word used in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It's actually one of the hardest words, I think, uh, to, uh, to translate. It was used of a wild horse that had been broken, but now was tamed. It means power under control. Someone said this, Beatitude in Matthew 5, blessed are those who are always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time. Peter uh, pictures uh, a woman who is in control of her emotions, her actions, instead of blowing up over issues. She's very careful, calculating. She ponders her responses. Maybe thinks, is this just my opinion, or is this something God would be angry about? A woman desires only to be angry when God is angry, and not at other times. She bears up under hardship and gentle in her responses. She's Christ-like. But then there's also a quiet spirit. This is another desirable characteristic that Peter mentions here. It looks back at the temptation of the woman to change her husband by incessant, incessant words. You know, back in, in, in verse 1, we were talking about uh, if a, a husband, if any obey not the word, they may also without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. This woman would restrain her word. Solomon describes a 
person who restrains his words is wise. In Proverbs 10 and verse 19, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. And this woman is cultivating the inner man, not only to be beautiful to her husband, but to be beautiful to God. She's gentle and meek in control of her emotions, and she's reserved in the use of her words. Let us hear these traits to be practiced not only by the woman, but practiced by the husband as well. The husband is to be meek in control of his emotions and his anger and practice restraint with his words. See, the Christian home is not superficial. It's not concerned with just outward appearance. Not consumed with external appearance and clothes and makeup and skin and, and, and possessions. A godly home is consumed with showing one's wealth uh, that, uh, of, of the inner man. Not, to, not the wealth of cars and houses. Not the, the home of things. The focus on an outward appearance is a major struggle for many families, including Christian ones. Number one reason for divorce is finances. Home is consumed by showing one's wealth. It's often a home when money is tight and there's great discord, but not a godly home. Godly home is consumed with the inside. Choose to store up riches, uh, not to store up riches, but protect their heart. Realize where their treasure is, their heart will be there also. A godly home protects their heart from worshiping the things of the world by storing up the wealth of this world because as a tendency to steal their heart and crowd out the word of God. So if their treasure is clothes and cars and homes or phones and electronics and so forth, it distracts from the heart that God loves and enjoys. So how have or how have you observed the woman's temptation to be concerned with outward demonstration? probably have observed it through the cultural values that we have around us and through the media. How can one protect themselves from being conformed into a value system of the world? How can Christian marriages protect themselves from a shallow focus on the external? And even though the Bible says that God looks on the heart rather than the outward appearance, man cannot see your heart. What does man see? They do see what's on the outside. A man can tell what's in the heart by what's on the outside, by what's, what's interest, what the interest of that person is. In your public appearance, if you dress carelessly, whether it be sloppy, sloppy or overly dressed, as Isaiah and Peter describe, that tells much about what's going on in your heart, in your mind. So let's be careful both men and women, to honor the Lord with our appearance. Well, that's the second godly uh, characteristic that uh, I think both husbands and wives can sure uh, take note of here from First Peter chapter 3. Let's pray. Father,